All right, Austin Rugby fans, we're back once again with Alex Reese. I'm Dustin Zare. You're listening and watching the Austin Rugby podcast. Man, it's been an exciting week. But first, we got to talk about Alex. How cold is it outside? Uh, <laughs> it is, I think, 24 today, and 24. I think on on Sunday or maybe on Monday it was 74. So yeah, right. Nice so so we're, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And and yeah, for those of you who who aren't familiar, this is not common for Austin. Uh, it's, it's too cold. Uh, the fact that they're predicting potentially three inches of snow on Monday. Oh man, that's. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of posts to people who are not from here that have been saying, uh, I moved to Austin, right? <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna say, I was just about to comment that this is not why everyone and their mothers trying to move to Austin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this is a, this is a rugby podcast. It's not a weather podcast, uh, which yeah. probably wouldn't be that exciting of a podcast. I wouldn't think, but now you never know. Uh, but so let's get down it. Let's get down to it, man. There's been so much going on this week in in Austin rugby in the news. Um, we're going to do things a little bit different on, on this week's episode. We're, we're going to talk about all the things that are going on in the news. Uh, we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about, you know, some, uh, the loose forwards and the exciting, uh, talent that we have there. Um, and then, uh, we'll, we'll sit down with, with our guests this week, only one guest this week, but that's okay because there's so much to talk about. Um, if you've been paying attention to the news, uh, or anything at Austin, you know that there was a big announcement this week. Um, uh, actually there's like three big announcements and one was a signing. Um, but maybe we'll wait and save that for another time since it's a back and not a forward. Uh, but really excited to have him come and join us. But the first one is the Jersey announcement for Austin. And that is the sponsor for Austin, the front of the Jersey sponsor, the, uh, what, what do they call it? The, uh, uh, the, I'm trying to get the exact word here. The founding partner uh, is a founding partner. And that's uh, Ascension Seat and Health, which is a huge organization uh, here in Austin. Uh, you know, Alex, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, that's pretty exciting. We haven't had a front of the Jersey sponsor at all for, for Austin. Um, what do you think that's going to do to just kind of the overall recognition of the team in town? Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, just in general, having some sort of a sponsor partnership is always going to be a, a positive like Dustin, you know, um, you know, you've worked with the, the team since they were the elite, you know, it's difficult to land sponsorships. Um, it's not an easy thing, especially with a sport that's new, like rugby to, uh, professionalism, but also, um, I don't know, like the last time my girlfriend had to go in for a operation, um, pretty serious operation. We went to Ascension Seton. So it's like, it's a very big name brand here in Austin. Um, Well, in Texas too, like Seton. Yeah. And a lot of, I I was born at St. David's hospital here in Austin, but like a (laughs) ton of people in Austin can tie their roots directly to Seton because that's where they were birthed. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people are familiar with Seton. Um, and I think that's just a, you know, a good way to get more eyes on, yeah. on the young gronies. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, obviously being a founding partner, uh, Ascension Seton is a medical partner, right? It's not, it's not just the, you know, they're going to get the the name brand recognition on the front of the Jersey, um, which right. is great, but it, it's a medical partner. Um, you're getting, uh, I'm you know, reading kind of part of the, uh, the press release here and you're getting not only 
that name, you're getting athletic trainers, sports scientists, sports medicine physician, orthopedics, uh, orthopedists, and like all kinds of people are going to be overseeing the team. Like this is this partnership turns Austin into that elite level professional style, like what you would associate. Oh, yeah. A, a pro football team with like a partnership with, with this. Um, and then they get access to uh, the, the performance center, you know, for, for, um, for uh, Ascension Seton, which is something completely new um, and, and pretty exciting as well. You know, uh, you, you mentioned like that elite professionalism and it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, I won't mention his name, um, just for the sake of kind of anonymity, but here, but, uh, you know, there was a former Austin player who now plays with another team, um, in the MLR and he helped coach us at the Huns this past fall. And I asked him like, you know, what, how, how do you feel about playing at your, your current team versus, you know, Austin? And he, his like big takeaway was that he loves the level of professionalism that the Austin team is showing. And he said his club is great with the grassroots and, you know, growing the game and attracting fans. But he said that like the level of professionalism that the Gilgronis are bringing to the league, as he said, is very groundbreaking. Yeah. And I think like this uh, partnering with like a very, very high level medical facility um, that offers a huge range of service um, from top to bottom, I think is, is just another step that I think other teams in the league are going to follow. Um, and you know, like the league is the league because of the players Yeah, and you need them to be healthy. So I think that it's just a phenomenal partnership. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that one of the big things that I've heard is there are other things, you know, obviously, uh, the, the care is going to be important to maintaining you know, the athletes at the, at their peak condition. And so to have more than just, you know, one or two athletic trainers helping out from time to time, um, not giving any, you know, not putting anything away from previous, um, you know, seasons and previous trainers and, uh, health professionals that have been there with the team, but now you're getting an army of health professionals, yeah. basically. Um, you're taking it so you could potentially get that one-on-one -on -one care and, uh, you know, that for me, says so much more because we as an organization have struggled with injuries in the past you know yeah. ben mitchell you know when he was here and played almost you could tell like the whole season he was playing with an injury almost and and it, you know how do you recover from that you know, of course that has to do with squad depth and stuff sometimes too but still there are aspects of that that really kind of scream need for better care and this partnership uh, I, I think gives it to us um, with, 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 this, uh, with, with Seton. I think, uh, you know, there's so many aspects to, you know, medical care, especially with the contact sport like rugby, you know, there's um, I think, you know, almost most importantly, there's diagnosis and then there's um, operation and then there's rehab. And then even kind of outside of all that, there's, preventative uh, measures that, you know, professional um, medical people can, can really assist with that. You know, I, I've heard it called prehab. Um, <laughs> a lot of For sure. And, you know, I think, but, uh, you know, most important, I think is like getting the right diagnosis on, on players. Like I remember last year on the AGs, um, you know, before they had a full 
staff of doctors that it wasn't just all on one guy. It was like, you know, you have this one trainer having to like diagnose seven different guys after every practice. And yeah. it's tough. Cause yeah, it's like sure. in five minutes, he's got to try to like tell someone like, here's what's going on and this is what you need to do for it. And it's just uh, overwhelming, but yeah. Yeah. To have an entire squad able to look after the players is going to, is going to go a very, very long way. Yeah. I think to uh, us, us having a longer and better uh, season. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, more than just that, you know, you talk about, you know, I, I came from a business standpoint, you go, okay, if, I am an individual athlete and I want to go to, uh, you know, this high performance center for Ascension Seton and I want to meet, I need an orthopedic surgeon. I need a sports and rehabilitation. I need whatever it may be. How much would that cost me? And then multiply it times 30 something guys and then multiply it times getting the top end of everything. You think about it from a financial standpoint and what that actually probably could like (laughs) the amount of money that that is associated with that. Like that's a huge financial investment from Ascension Seton into the organization. Right. Which which tells me that they are fully invested, For which sure. I think oh, is absolutely. cool. You know, when you're offering that much, which, you know, would which costs you that much, like you're not going to, you're not going to half ass be in, yeah. which I think is great for the AGs because now you've got one of the biggest medical clinics in the state fully behind, you know, what, what we're doing here. And I think that's, that's only going to be a positive for sure. And if you go and you go back and watch the video that announced it, um, um, it was also great to see uh, Sebastian DeChavez and Bryce Campbell, two former teammates at London Irish, we talked about last week, <laughs> be the the poster at uh, the poster child or the poster boys for the Jersey announcement with their masks on being COVID safe. <laughs> Two former uh, Dustin Zer interviewees. Oh, well, uh, one, one former and one this week. <laughs> t- t- technically former since I interviewed him yesterday. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So we're, we've got two guys that, you know, kind of showing off the jersey, which is great. But I think one of the most important parts of that video that came out was having Adam um, uh, Bauman, I think is his name, uh, who is the, the GM or vice president uh, of the kind of business and sports aspect of Ascension Seton, uh, he came on, he was like, yes, we're ready. We're excited. We can't wait to be in a stadium full of, you know, 5,000 fans. And, you know, when COVID's all done and blah, 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 like all that, like he was, he was excited. Like he was ready to be a part of the organization. And I think that in, in this and the next thing we'll talk about, you know, here in a couple of minutes um, of, of tying in the AGs to the local Austin community and the businesses that are associated are going to be the main impact for growing the sport outside of our, of the rugby fans that we already know, like outside of the Huns, Blacks, Valks, or organization, you know, youth organization, that is the next big step for us. And I think it's something that we, what's that? Is that a hundred percent? Yeah. And I think that's something that we, you know, I look forward to saying, okay, how do we get linked up with Oracle and Facebook and, you know, and literally every, you know, Bumble for all that, like anybody really. It kind of makes me wonder too, like, you know, you've got a high level um, medical program associated now, or not even associated, directly involved with the AGs. Yeah. You know, what, 
what sort of opportunities might that present for people that want to get into sports medicine? Yeah. Right. You know, like kids growing up that maybe, um, you know, went to med school at Baylor or went to med school in, um, Austin or something. And it's like, I want to do sports medicine. You know, if I can't, maybe I, I can't be a part of the Texas Longhorns medical staff, but there's another professional sports team in town and this is the avenue I want to go. And it's just a way to attract more great talent to the medical side of professional rugby, which is cannot be understated. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I think, you know, obviously when look through AG social media and everything, and they, there was a, a photo of, of Robbie and he was, he had the giant mat, like the Bane, looked like the Bane mask. Yeah. You know, and the whole thing strapped around his head and they're like testing his VO two max. And they're like, man, like, check like, it. was, it was incredible. Like, I mean, what? I want to, I, I, I want to do that just to show how out of shape I am as, you know, <laughs> yeah. as an almost 40 year old, <laughs> uh, like, you know, my question is like not only what other teams in the MLR are going down this avenue, how many teams in world rugby period are, you know, have brought in like this type of medical professionalism to their, to their club that outside of like the mm-hmm. premiership the top 14 and, and super rugby and pro 14. I mean, I don't as know. far as, professional rugby i don't I'd, I'd be interested to know like who else is is taking care of the players like this yeah i mean obviously the national teams are probably going to do it for the most part um you would think at least all tier, the tier one national teams um i would say uh you know yeah outside super you know super rugby teams um yeah i don't know i mean and and the, like, M- no. and the mlr uh i mean i'm sure there are organizations that are working together but at least it's not that public as far as like a a partnership like this i mean if i'm a if i'm a emerging or even seasoned professional rugby player like that's a huge attraction to me yeah like i'm gonna be medically taken care of yeah exactly i i can for only the only the first jersey that i think of that has a, a sponsor on there is seattle and it's crusties and that's a pancake mix and that's not exactly the, what i would associate rugby players with uh you know whatever i like i mean crusties pancake mix is good so nothing against them so mental, hey, it's, it's it's happiness and happiness is part of mental health yeah right there you go. So, uh, speaking of happiness there are other happy things that are going on in in austin as far as the ags are concerned uh there was the uh, secret post on monday trying to guess which three-time grammy nominee uh was going to be opening up or uh, performing at the at the ags opener and of course in austin there are tons and tons of artists and Grammy artists. You got uh, somebody yeah. said Willie Nelson. I was like, oh man, if Willie Nelson came, to think, that'd be ridiculous. Um, nice. you'd, you'd sell out just because it said Willie Nelson. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are lots of guys. Um, and it turned out it was uh, legendary. I say legendary because he's been around for a long time. But it's Paul Oakenfold. Uh, Oakenfold. And so, for those of you who don't know Paul's music, he's a DJ, dance house, trans music. You know, it's kind of like techno if you will if, if you go back into like the the early 90s um but he's a huge artist like he's an englishman now uh, he is he's british he has just moved to austin but he is moving here and he is opening the season up for us everybody's closing out the game so after the game on march 20th 
21st, 20th. Yeah, March 20th. March 20th. We're, we're, yeah. we're, getting, we're getting closer to that 30 days that you and I said oh, two weeks no. ago. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, March March 20th, he's going to be playing. The great thing about that is they are actually partnering not only with the, he's partnering with the AGs to come and play, but they're working with the Austin Music Foundation. And for those of you who are not familiar with the local Austin scene because of COVID, you know, Austin is the live music capital of the world. It's been yes, absolutely it decimated. Um, you know, I've got friends who work in in the music industry here, and li- there's no live music because, well, no no bars are open, no one's playing, um, no one's going on tour, and so what they're doing is they're taking portions of the proceeds and they're taking donations, and they're taking you know different aspects of it and giving it to the Austin Music Foundation through Paul Oakenfold and the tickets that they're selling uh, and other things from what I hear uh, so that they can continue to work and give back to the community, which awesome, man. Music and rugby, it goes together like like, like peanut butter and jelly, baby. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, I think like one of the the if not the biggest thing, one of the two or three biggest things that you think of when I think you think of Austin, especially for locals is the live music scene. And for, you know, it to have had such a uh, profoundly negative impact uh, from COVID. um, It's honestly pretty amazing that the, the AGs are here to support that. And I think, you know, say what people want uh, or, you know, jump to conclusions you want about the AGs and maybe like some of the um, branding or naming. I think everything they're doing is pretty, pretty awesome and very driven towards the Austin community. And, you know, I think this is just another thing that they are not just moving here from Australia and, you know, um, and like starting rugby and trying to grow a, a big professional brand. They're also really learning and tapping into the culture of the city and music is huge. Like I can tell you massive growing up, I'm not kidding. I think I had at least 10 friends growing up that were in bands, yeah. like in high school, middle school, high school, and still to this day playing in bands. And like, it's just kind of a heartbeat of the city and for the AGs to kind of come in and recognize that and then support it is, is pretty amazing. And, um, you know, I heard maybe some rumblings that Paul Oakenfold isn't the only guy that's going to be performing at our games. Yeah. No, the, from, from what, from what I understand. And so I'll, I'll answer that and then I'll kind of follow up some with a, a different point is what I understand is every match is, is going to have a, a different musical artist playing. And that's awesome. Um, and obviously, uh, I'm, there there are groups that I'd like to see play out there. Gary Clark Jr., Black yeah. Black Pumas. Like, you know, there's some yeah. big name artists around there. But also, I'd love to give some credit. You know, give some airtime and some you know, stage time to you know some of the lesser known and up and coming artists yeah. in Austin who are there. Um, Billy King and the Bad Bad Bad. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Is that one of your buddies' bands? It's my cousin's boyfriend's band. Cousin's um, boyfriend's second yeah. brother removed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's my cousin's boyfriend's band. Um, although I guess he's not part of the band anymore, but they, I mean, they rock. 
yeah I, I, i've actually i've actually seen that name around town so again if you, if you know the austin scenes like you just know that they all these names are out there and it's everything yeah. from from rock to blues to country to um, hip-hop to punk like everything is out there and it's all in austin um which is why a lot of people move here uh, from other places <laughs> for that music um but yeah I, th- I think it's great i think you touched upon it a little bit and you talked about like the AGs and what they're doing and how we're being perceived by the rest of, you know, the MLR, yeah. the first couple of seasons. And I want to say the first couple of seasons, first season wasn't anything. I think a lot of the second, the second season and the negativity that followed is what, you know, how people still see Austin or at least up until recently you know they're like oh it's the team that was 0 and 16 and it's the team that blah 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 and you had whatever people i think that people still see that what i don't think people see is the fact that they came in they changed the name they made as a big hoopla people were like oh ag uh, gilgronies if you notice we haven't really been calling them the gilgronies much right it's kind of going the way of the, and I'm going to say this and I'll throw this out there because I was talking with somebody about it. It's like, we're going the way of the Oakland athletics. Nobody calls them the Oakland right. athletics anymore. It's the Oakland A's, yeah. right? Yeah. So we've become the, we're the Austin AGs. And so if it's good, you know, I, I was there at, it was the, it was like five 45 in the morning. It was before practice last season, uh, right before the first game against the arrows. And the ownership came in and spoke to us, like you said, like six in the morning Yeah, and basically told us about how there was a whole, going to be a name change, ownership change, all this stuff. And it was like, we were like, Whoa, you know, that's like crazy. Yeah. Like the day that they told us that they were going to be called the go Gronies. Um, I think it was Matt Burgess yeah. was the, was the one that told us. And he said, he's like, look, uh, you know, Augie did it's a, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a weird name, but we're going to be called the AGs. Yeah. We're not going to go by the Gilgrani. It's going to be the AGs. Yeah. And I was like, uh, it's a good Matt just, Burgess impersonation. Was I went a little Kiwi on it. But, you you uh, did go a bit Kiwi on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he said it's going to be the AGs. Like yeah. from day one, that's been the plan. Yeah. And it's like, it just irks me so much the amount of people that get so hung up on it being the Gil Gronies and yeah. what a na- bad name that is. No. It's like, well, it's like they say, they say, oh, they're naming it after an alcoholic beverage. I'm like, no, I think they're naming an alcoholic beverage after the first professional rugby team here in Austin. Yeah, you know, because what came before the other, like. It's actually the other way around. Like the te- the beverage is being named after the team because the beverage hasn't yeah. even been created yet. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, it's not a guiltini, which that's a whole other. St- <laughs> that's a different. That's a sidebar yeah. that we can talk about forever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, here's the thing: um, you don't become a multi-billion-dollar company. Uh, and, and that's F45 and Adam Gilchrist who owns yeah. you know the the AGs. You don't become a massive company like that without doing good marketing. You just don't. Uh, I'm a marketing. Yeah, I'm a market. I'm a marketing guy. I know this. Like you just don't do that. <laughs> especially um, when you're, you know, you've started a fitness empire almost exclusively. Oh sure. On the back of great marketing. Yeah, and, and that's what they've done. You it's know? like it's it's a good thing they've done. They do. They're doing a great job. And I think you know you ever talked about like what's going on this season. Well, so 
if you listen to um, uh, Rugby Revealed, this is a great podcast. We'll throw a link up in in, in ours. Yeah. Uh, there are two great interviews, and they've been they did a great job because they're going around to every major league rugby club um, and talking with the head coach and talking with the GM. Uh, the the new GM and hasn't really been announced. Just kind of like quiet behind the scenes. So uh, Matt Burgess uh, is not. I don't believe he's the full acting GM because congratulations to him. I believe they're about they're expecting their first child. Uh, he and his wife. So cool yeah. on that. Um, Matt's a great guy. Like really enjoyed meeting him last year, uh, but Mike Sheehan, um, and it's not Sheehan, Sheehan, because it's Irish. <laughs> I know this because I listened to the other podcast. Um, but he's come in and he's got extensive career in sports and entertainment, and like he's done a doing a fantastic job. And so he is kind of part of this driving force that's saying let's change things up. Like I've had I've had the pleasure of meeting him. He's a great guy. He's got a lot, you know, great ideas, and I think he's open to listening to the fans um, and, and what we want, what we want to do with the team. So I think that that's another exciting thing that's, that's really happening um, you know, here in Austin. So, uh, needless to say, like there's a lot of great stuff going on and, and people, oh, really? people are now, now jealous. They're like, I guess I have to become an Austin fan now. Like, cause this is great. Like, and it's, it's not just on, it's not just, you know, in the back office and at the stadium and things going on, like that's all great. But it's on the field too. It's like all the exciting things that are happening on the field, which will bring up like the last news. And I think you know, we'll we'll talk about it really quickly, and then we can elaborate more. You know, in a future episode, when we talk about the back line. But um, from the Dallas Jackals, I guess debauchery that happened, or the you know they basically it's a, it's debauchery. I'll, I'll say it. Um, from whatever happened up there, there was the supplemental draft. And the AGs got to select, um, you know, their pick and they actually got, I believe they got first pick, which I, I didn't know. Uh, so they got first pick in that draft. I think they may have traded for it or something happened. I don't know. Cause I, th- I thought the order was a little bit different. Like it was Giltini's and then Houston and then us, but who knows? Uh, but we got Connor Mooningham, um, which is again, really exciting because he, again, a solid player. You know, from California, but lives in lived in Houston. Um, he was also the first overall pick in the MLR college college draft. And so Dan Power said he's the only professional sports player in history to be selected number one in a draft in the same year by, by yeah. two different teams. <laughs> Random sports trivia. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alex, you, I, I don't know how much you've actually seen Connor play, but I've seen, you know, highlight reels and stuff here, but um, he's an, he's an exciting player. Uh, you know, he's 24 and so he's still got, you know, so he's actually the same, he's the same year as me school wise. Okay. And he played at Woodlands there in Texas. And I played okay. at Westlake. So we played against each other oh, nice. a ton growing up. Nice. And, uh, um, I'll say undefeated against the Woodlands. Uh, def- oh man, uh, look, at that. look at that shade that gets thrown out there by, by the Austinites. <laughs> well, uh, no, Woodland Westlake. We were we were kings there for a little bit. Still, the only time, three time state back to back to back state champs in West and Texas. But Woodlands is now, yeah, Woodlands is now probably the top team in the nation for high school. Really? Um, Connor was always, um, you know, one of their their very best, if not their best player. Honestly, he was probably yeah. their best. And again, uh, li- life university guy too. So he's, you know, yeah, he played. He played with my played, brother. Played with your brother, yeah. Who is? Yeah, Ryan actually hit him for the. Uh, the game-winning assist um, in the national championship against Cal in twenty, I guess it was twenty nineteen, and yeah. Connor. It was not even probably Ryan's worst ever pass as scrum half. <laughs> Connor scooped it on the hop and scored it um, under pressure. It was pretty sweet. That's so. awesome. 
Yeah, he's an awesome. He really is a great player. And, um, you know, I think he, he's a guy that's just one of the – he's one of, like, the hardest guys out there. He's just physical, aggressive, hard-nosed player with some with some speed um, yeah. and some pretty good skills. Yeah, and, and we can talk about him later. It's exciting. You know, Coach Harris is like, listen – we're going to give him over to Mark Gerard in the back line. He can play 13. He can play 15, um, two areas where we could use a little bit more depth at, which I think is great. Um, but yeah, uh, it, so lots of exciting news. Um, I'm, I'm pretty like, yeah, as a fan, I was like, yeah, man, like we're ready for this. We're ready for it. Um, there's been other things going on in the fandom of the Austin Gilgronies. Like, will we be called the Gilgrony X? <laughs> we, we, we we did a poll we did a poll on that and i will tell people we polled on facebook and on instagram and we said should ag fans be, be called the gilgroniacs um this comes from mr dan power um part of it comes from dan power and others like as far as you know how, how do we define ourselves i think it's great i think it's hilarious we'll play kind of like the uh, the hulkamaniacs from the wwf <laughs> and uh you know the the final result right um was something like 40 42 or uh was it 49 to 30 uh on combined facebook and instagram so only 79 people voted uh, five people voted they didn't care so then we'll just take that for okay uh my question though is what about people that voted on Instagram and Facebook? Did you count both of their votes? Yeah, some people voted twice, so voted on both. So I, know, I, 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 did. I think there were like three or four of them that did that. So there are like three or four people that voted like on someone on Instagram, some on on Facebook. Not that many, so it's not that big of a deal. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so if like listen, some people don't like it. What's that? Let's be the Gilgroniacs. Let's be it, man. Like I'm for it. I think it's hilarious. I I'm all for it. Uh, we, you you saw the stuff I posted on social media recently with it. <laughs> um, keep Austin weird, right? Exactly. Let's 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 keep that up. Awesome, man. That's like that's that's a ton of news right there. That's good yeah. stuff. We're not even talking yeah. about players. Hey, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to sit down and Alex picked it last week. We're going to talk loose forwards. Oh man. Talent through and through on this one. You're listening and watching the Austin rugby podcast. All right, welcome back, Austin fans. Uh, we we talked a lot. Like, that was fun. Like I, I enjoyed talking about like all the great news that's going on in Austin. Um, but what is Austin rugby without the players? Um, and we've gone through. So we started in the middle. Like we started off with hookers because you know that's where you have to start all of your uh, analysis is in hookers. The second round is uh, we went down, just kind of working our way to the back, right? So hookers, second row, and now we've got loose forwards. So that's your for those that are new to the game. Those are your flankers and eight man. Uh, it's your six, seven, eight uh, on on your on your team sheets. Man, I think I know. I, I, I'll tell you what, Alex. What do you think about our loose forwards? We'll ask you that because I, I want to hear your thoughts first before I continue to go crazy and kind of fanboy there a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited uh, for our loose forwards. I think, you know, last year, I thought last year that was the unquestioned strength of our team. You know, last year we had, I think it was pretty, 
Steady, it was Mo, Dom, um, and Lino, and then Potu was basically a loose forward playing lock. Playing lock, yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously Potu's gone and play in the Pro 14. It's and a zebra. Is, yeah, which is pretty sweet. But, it's, a, uh, it's, a big, it's a big squad. Yeah, and then Lino is still unsigned, I believe. Yeah. Um, Just had a kid. But, uh, I think they had a kid uh, beginning of like the lockdown, like end of, end of last year or something. So I know yeah. that he's back home in Hawaii. Um, but you know, moving, so moving into 2021, it's like, you wonder like, how do you replace pot and, uh, Lino, but then we've gone out and we've signed, uh, McLean Jones. And then, you know, we've already had pretty solid depth there in the first place. And yeah. I think that, you know, between, oh, and then also I didn't even mention you have Don Bailey coming back yeah. this year from three. So, um, we've got, I think, what stands out to me is the just the sheer athleticism that we've got yeah. in the back row is is got to be almost unparalleled across the league. Um, if not for international experience, I think the combination of potential and athleticism is is off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you've got four returning loose forwards, right? So we've got um, we've got Mo Abdominan, we've got Domakina, uh, Dominique Bailey, who you know we talked about. Is kind of our, in our re-signing, um, in, in our re-signing episode, um, coming back, who was injured, you know, in the last season, was slated to be back, kind of middle of the season, um, and then uh, we've got uh, Michael DeWall, who was also injured, and now coming back, Lindenwood graduate. So, like, lots of excitement, and then, I mean, technically, last season we had signed McLean Jones, um, but he the visa stuff didn't go through and then COVID hit. So obviously it didn't happen. Uh, the tie to McLean Jones is that he is a Waringa rat. So he is part of that, uh, the coach Harris and, you know, coach Gerard uh, pipeline from Waringa. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll become a like sister team to Waringa, like Austin go Gronies and Waringa rats. Like they'll just partner and be fan clubs together. So, <laughs> uh, will we, add, will we add more? I don't know. Um, but yeah, let's just, let's, let's dive into it. Like, Let's talk about, um, you know, I, I guess one of my favorites, like Mo Abdominan, like I think that he is, man, I, 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 Mo is probably one of the best ball stealers and best jacklers in MLR. And I, 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 I challenge anybody to prove me wrong. Like I think the first season he came in in 2019, the, what was it? The first four games he played, he stole the ball like eight times or something like that. Some yeah, ridiculous number. And I think he scored a try in like his first match too. Like talk about making an impact. Um, I, I, I think that he's probably one of the best uh, as far as Jack laying and ball stealing. Um, I, I don't know. Like what are your thoughts? How do you think, what does Mo bring yeah. to the table? Well, I mean, you look at last year, I think that, you know, with the new, the new coaches, like maybe last year, like the new coaches that we had last year, I think, you know, came in and they saw Mo was a, like, he's not a big guy at no. all. Like he's, he's strong Mo, though. Couldn't be, Mo couldn't be more than five, nine and two. What, what is Mo? 215, 220 pounds. He's not a big dude. Yeah. So I think like, he doesn't necessarily pass the eye test. But he barely played the first two games of the year. And, you know, we lost both of them pretty, pretty bad. Um, But he had come in that second game against New York. And as soon as he came in, we made a pretty big comeback. And then he started the last three games 
you know, tie against Utah, should have won that one. Really close loss to Old Glory and then the win against Houston. And I think yeah. that his impact was huge because he's – great tackler. I think that's a part that of his game that gets overlooked. Yeah. He's a great tackler. Um, and he's actually phenomenal in the clear out, uh, offensively, but then obviously his big difference makers, like you said, that I don't know that there's anybody in the league that jackals better than he does. I mean, I mean, he had five, you know, he played five games. He didn't really play the first two. Like, I don't think he got on like maybe like 10 minutes in the first, first match. Like he wasn't a lot again. I don't I don't remember him playing much, but he had five. He still had five steals in five games. Like that yeah. doesn't. Have, that's, barely playing. That's an incredible record. Playing. Yeah, yeah, and barely playing. And barely playing the first two. You I, know. Yeah, I, I think Mo is man. I, I really think Mo needs a, a can. Like, he deserves a, at least a Canadian trial right now. Like so, Mo, I think Mo's so Canadian. I, he's just like I said. He doesn't pass the eye test. Yeah. And you see that happen. Like you, you see, you know, I've mentioned it before on the show, but like Sam Simmons over in England. Yeah. Uh, these guys that they don't have the typical, you know, prototype uh, size yeah. or position, but they, they make a huge influence on the game. And Mo is one of those guys. Um, and he's also, you know, as a new guy on the team that was kind of, you know, I was, sort of on the fringe, you know, I got in, uh, I got to suit up for a couple games and play in one, but I was not like one of the main guys. And it's a little intimidating coming in to a professional team, you know, it's like, yeah. you're not one of the guys. And like from day one, um, you know, Mo along with like Zin Zan as well was, was really great about this, but like, they were just like from day one, just, and Larome as well, but just made me feel really comfortable being a part of the squad. Yeah. Um, like every morning you walk in first got to come say hi is Mo. Like yeah. every, every time it's just one of those, you know, good team guys, good glue guy for the squad. Um, and you know, I, yeah, I think he deserves a crack with Canada and I really would love to see him get, um, a lot of game time this year with, with the AGs. I think he's just, it's one of those guys that makes a difference. He doesn't necessarily get meters or the, or the tries, but you know, even if he's not pushing the ball, he's slowing down your breakdown. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, you're right. Size for size, you know, pound for pound size, you know, height for height. Like there are a few that are probably going to compete with him. You know, he's small, but he, he's fierce. He is like a, he's like a honey badger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, it, it is, it is pretty, pretty evident when you watch him play. If you're watching and who he's tackling and how he's tackling, there are a few times where Mo needs a second hand or a second person in on a tackle. Like he has a ton of solo tackles. Um, and it's, and it's that kind of defense, which, you know, I think will play kind of a high line, high, you know, fast pay up in your face style of defense, you know, given coach Harris's, you know, rugby league background. Um, so I think that he's, I think he's going to shine w- with, with that kind of style of play. Uh, Cause he wants to, like, he's like a little missile, man. He just flies yeah. in there and he will just take him out. Um, you know, obviously you know, athleticism is part of it. Dominique Bailey, um, yeah, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Probably in 2019, like there were a couple games, the game against Nola, man, he it was just he was all over the place. He the breakaway 60 meter, 55 meter try that he had um, that showed his pure pace, like because he was outrunning the entire Nola back line, um, like just he smoked him. Um, Hurt got injured in the kind of like the end of the season. 
uh, you know, if you talk to people within the organization, he's the one who's been building, they called him the foreman because he's the one who's been building the workout facility and painting and doing all this stuff there. But he's also been building his physique. Um, and if you look on social media, like Dominic Bailey is a, he is gone off the rails as far as working out and getting physically fit. Um, so he, for me, I, I'm excited to see what he can show this year. Yeah, me too. I, last year, you know, I think like right when he got healthy enough to play, he was getting ready to start the, um, the last game of the season. And then, you know, got called off the week of. Yeah. So we now didn't get to actually see him in his return post injury, but, uh, you know, he came out and he trained with us, um, in the fall when we were just doing kind of like a lot of, um, just kind of non, non, mostly non-contact training. Um, and, but we did do, we did a lot of work with, we did do some work with Jackling and breakdown and he was just phenomenally good over the ball. And I haven't actually seen him in live contact, but like in person, but obviously, you know, on this film from 2019 and just kind of knowing the the pure speed and obviously like physical (laughs) gifts that he has, they're pretty plain to see. Sickening. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to see how he, how he comes back. You know, he's almost, he's now had two years to recover from that knee injury. Yeah. And I, I, I've seen him do, drills over the ball and he's almost, you know, immovable yeah. once he's in position. So that's, it's going to be exciting to see how he can parlay that with his, just his physical gifts in open field. Um, once the season resumes. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I definitely think that he is, he definitely has the skill set and he's got the talent. That's for sure. Like, I think that he's from a physical standpoint, again, athleticism, athleticism, athleticism. Um, speaking of athleticism, one of our yeah. a previous Dustin Zare interviewee uh, <laughs> and probably the most athletic <laughs> person in MLR. Um, very just, possibly. Very possibly. Um, Domakina. I mean, what, yeah. what else needs to be said about that? Like the fact, like his story is fantastic. You know, um, him coming down here, like, barely scraping money to come in down to the, to the combine yeah. and then jumping out of the entire round rock comp, you know, multi-purpose complex. And that first jump, uh, we showed it in slow motion. And if you want to go back and watch that, go back and watch the Dom Akeen interview that I had. Uh, we actually showed Dom the slow motion of his first jump that he had never seen before. It is bananas. What was his vertical? Like 40, uh, his first, uh, it's like 38 and a half, like the first jump. Like that's, I mean, for reference, Kobe Bryant's vertical was 38, you right. know? <laughs> so that's that. crazy. Yeah, there's that. Uh, I remember yeah. last year, his first practice uh, of the year with the AGs, it was just this cold, cold morning out at the Round Rock Multipurpose. And um, we were playing, we were playing some sort of, um, kind of like semi-contact, semi-touch game. And he was out on the wing because it hadn't been decided yet that he was going to be a forward. And he was out on the wing. And <laughs> he was going up against one of the fastest guys in the team, Roderick uh, Waters. Yeah. And granted, Roderick had, you know, had a little bit of a hamstring issue going into practice. But 
uh, was still Roderick, still one of the fastest guys, you know, in in yeah. LR with the hamstring. And two times in a row, Dom just dusted him up, up the side. <laughs> and when he did that, I was like, oh my God. Who, like, yeah. if you're dusting Roger Waters, hamstring injured or not, you've got some serious wheels. So that was like, I was like, whoa, this dude with the long hair, like, who is this? Well, and then, right, right. So you know, we're at the combine. And and we're we're clocking everybody. We're doing all the different events. Um, you know, in the video, there was there was a moment like after he did the the high jump or the the, the vertical test, he had to do his forty meter. And I'm watching him, and I'm trying to like I'm a far distance away, and I'm trying to like run with him with my with my camera oh, like to follow. And like there was he smoked it and I, and I turned and I stopped recording and I wish I'd have kept recording, but I turned and right to my right was Carlin Isles and Carlin just goes, shit. <laughs> like, like yeah. you, you know, someone's fast. Like if Carlin's saying like that guy's fast, you know, he's fast. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so Domikina, he's, he's a, he's a forward too. I mean, last year, I, I mean, he had, you know, again, it's a four, three forty. He's got, last year he had a 99.2% tackle completion rate. Yeah, that tells you a lot right there. Like that's, um, you know, again, I, I think he, he took, he was the line out target for sure. Uh, we talked about it before, you know, it's, it's crazy to have somebody like that. When you have somebody with a 38 inch vertical, if you get two tall guys to lift them, you'd never lose a line out. Yeah. Like, right. Like, yeah. which is not common for a flank, like for, for a flanker, for a loose forward to be, you know, always the line out lifted. Like usually, you know, yeah. your second rowers are going to be there, but if you get two tall, like six foot, eight second rowers lifting Dom Aquino, who's jumping out of the, out of the building. Yeah. Just- I think minus, minus, you know, some of the size, I think he really kind of reminds me of, uh, Artie Savia. Yeah. I think we talked about that before. Like it's totally does. Yeah. He, I mean, he's because, like, I still think mean, his size is still, like, he's not that much smaller than Artie. Big. Yeah. And he just, uh, he's one of those dudes you, you make a really solid contact on him and like, you'll get a good shot. And like, even like big guys will get a good shot on him. And it's like, he just, his legs just kind of keep driving and like little pistons. Football football mentality. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, he's just bursted out of the, he's just pulling his legs up out of the tackle and he's, he's off and running and like, Go back and watch the AG's games last year. You'll see so many times guys will go to tackle them and they'll get a good shot. And then all of a sudden, they'll just kind of slide. They won't even just bump off. They'll just slide down and then he's gone. Yeah. It's like. He's definitely somebody that needs to have two people tackle him. Like, you, you're, totally. like, you, like yeah. if you if you don't have somebody like a Mo who's going to put somebody down with one tackle, like, you better have some backup pretty quickly because if you don't, it, and, you know, Again, he had a couple offloads last year too that led to you know further progression of play and you know hitting the gain line a little bit harder. So with that, like, man, I I honestly think with you know some more like further development with his skills, I really genuinely think he could be a like a wing, like a a wing over in like the Pro 14 in the English leadership. I like he's. He's that athletic. He's that physical. I really think with some added skills that he's good enough to play at the, oh. the highest professional level. And I think I he's mean, just 
he's kind of going overlooked right now, but I, I'm telling you, I, I, I think maybe, maybe he's not being overlooked because I, you know, Dan power and I were talking about this in, in a couple weeks ago in Dom Aquino has USA Eagle written all over it. Like the sky's the limit yeah. for Dom, you know, and, and it goes back to like, he was a football, he was a football player. Like he was a football player who just recently came over to the game. So it begs to the question, you know, I know everything going on in Colorado with the, the, uh, COXO, yeah. like the crossover, test that they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're an athlete that can jump 38 inches and has a, a four, three forty, you could, you could potentially play like an, you can't coach or you can't b- coach athleticism like that. Um, yeah. and, and if you could coach him to play rugby, we'll see what happens. Uh, but you got to have athleticism first. So, um, anyway, I'll get off my soapbox on that one. Um, I'm both, yeah. I'm both for and against the crossover thing. So. <laughs> that's, uh, hey, that's a that's a conversation for another podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's that's not our podcast. Um, continuing on, uh, returners, uh, Michael DeWall, Lindenwood grad. Uh, again, he's I, when we talk about the first three guys, we talk about Mo, we talk about Dom and Dom, and Dominique and Dom Kina, Dominique Bailey, Dom Kina. Um, it's it's athleticism. It's these big, it's these bigger guys, or not bigger guys, but faster guys. You know, high work rate things like that. And then you get into Michael DeWall, who is kind of the the beef of, you know, he's, he's what I, you know, I, I think he's more like that, the blind side guy. He's the one who's going to just make that one big hit and he's going to hold people off rather than somebody who's going to break away quickly and, and, and take out your 10. Um, you know, I think Michael DeWall, again, he was injured last season, Lindenwood grad. So I think he's definitely got the skill. I just need to see him play. <laughs> like that's like, I just want to watch him play. You know, I, I've only ever seen him play for Lindenwood and like, you know, he's just one of those guys that you would consider a grafter. You know, he just does the hard work. He's in a lot. He's in so many tackles. He's always around the breakdown, going for jackals, slowing down ball, um, creating turnovers and penalties. Um, One of those guys. And, you know, (laughs) you and I have talked a few times now about, you know, South African forwards are they're big <laughs> and aggressive. And he's he's a big aggressive guy. Um, you know, I w- would still like to see him. You know, uh, do it at the professional level. I don't know. Oh. You know, what he looks like at, at this level because he was injured last year. But Wesley White, his old teammate at Lindenwood, and you know now over with Exeter in in England. Uh, actually, he's down yeah. at. He's he's down with the uh, the sevens with the the blitz box. Okay, so he's he's moved, but but still Wesley White, you know, super accomplished. I had nothing but huge heaps of praise for Michael Dewall, yeah. and I'm ex- I just want to see him play. He's, what he's like six foot two or six uh, foot three. He is. Oh, I have it here. Michael is six three two thirty. That's that's pretty. Phenomenal size there. It's a good um, size. I'll take I'll take six three two thirty. Yeah, you know he's got the measurables and he's got the he's got the length and the and the brains for it. So, yeah. and, um, and I think the good thing about like having four returning loose forwards is there's a cohesion and there's a way that you know how the other person's going to play. Uh, last year, they you know they lined up with. Um, the last game of the season, you had Lino at eight and you had Dom Aquina at. Uh, six and Mo at seven, I believe that's how they line yeah. up, if I remember correctly. Um, which is good, so you know how they play. So, you know, adding Dominic Bailey in there 
you know, is a little more, you get that same athleticism like Mo, you know, is he, actually it's kind of funny because Mo, Dominique Bailey is like the mixture of Mo and Dom Aquino. <laughs> like you kind of, they're all, if you blend them all together, like that's what you get, but um, it, it's, yeah, it's great. And then of course you have the one re-signing, uh, technical re-signing in McLean Jones, right? So, and, and McLean is again, no small slouch. What is, uh, I just forgot, like he's six, he's six, one, two twenty five. Um, and again, from, uh, down from the, the ring of rats in the shoot shield, like I, he's, the, he's coming in now. He prefer like his preferred position is eight. So we'll see whether or not he plays eight or, or what happens or, or if there are other signings that have not been announced that play at the flanker positions and play at the eight position, which would be again, more depth is better. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> what do you yeah, think? I'm excited. I'm excited to see him. I've only ever, I've literally only seen his highlights, but he just seems like, uh, I mean, he's a very physical specimen. I think he, I think he, he and if, if I were to define it, he and uh, Michael are going to be like the bruising runners. Like they're going to be the yeah. ones who just, just power runners. Whereas you're going to get more finesse and you know a, a combination of finesse and strength with I know it sounds kind of ridiculous but finesse and strength with Akina and Bailey and and a dominant um I don't know I, I that's that's I think um all right let's let, let let's let's go for it let's uh let's call out who who's who's your who's your starting back row that first game of the season uh, I you you touched on it already with the you know continuity and I think you've got to keep Mo and Dom, you know, paired together at the flanks. I think that those two are just, they work well together and they're both, you know, have so much, they offer different at dynamic yeah. abilities. And so I think you've got to, you can't not, you know, play either one of them. So I think those two, are Dom at six and uh, Mo at seven. And then I, and then I'm, Sticking McLean at eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous how often we agree on some of these. <laughs> like, yeah, we're totally yeah. do that. Like, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past throwing out a lineup of having, um, Dominique Bailey at six, Mo at seven and Donna Kina at eight, kind of taking that Artie Savia role, like going a little bit faster. Um, it's, it's kind it's, it's the back line that we kind of had last year with the athleticism with Lino back there. Um, so it's a little bit smaller, but a little bit faster. Um, especially with the size and strength of both our, our four, uh, both our, our props and the, in our second rows, like just, we got a ton of power yeah. there anyway. So you may not need to have, somebody like a big monster <laughs> and then again we can throw cam dodson back in there too we talked about that last week with him yeah. in the second row like cam can play eight because that's what he played at gcu you know that he's definitely a power runner like a, a, a smash mouth power runner um you know maybe not so much the one who's breaking away like akina will um but i think you could definitely you know throw in having dom akina back there and having just, just playing smaller and faster in the back line or back row excuse me yeah, something, I agree. Something to think about. Ninety-nine point two percent tackle rating. It's not like you know size is affecting his tackle. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's so. We've got one more position in in the in the forwards left to discuss. Next week, we'll sit down and we'll talk the 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 beef. The, the beef of the front of, of the forwards. Uh, we're going to talk for, we're going to talk props, loose heads, tight heads, and 
man, just some big dudes. Like we've got some big dudes in the front row. I'm that's exciting. I got some big dudes and some new guys that are coming too. Um, so that's awesome. Right after this, we're going to sit down with our guest this week, USA Eagle and new Gil Groney himself, Mr. Bryce Campbell. All this and more on the Austin Rugby Podcast. Stay tuned. All right, rugby fans, thanks for coming back and listening and watching on the Austin Rugby Podcast. So glad you could join us. As you know, the goal is to sit down and talk with players, coaches, uh, hopefully the new GM for the Austin Eagle Gronies here soon, along with all kinds of people in the Austin rugby community. Last week, we sat down with two great guys, Will McGee and Sebastian DeChavez. There is a, a very close connection between two of those, and that's going to be our next guest on the podcast. We're talking USA Eagle number 497. And of course, what we talked about was the worst kept secret in Major League Rugby history. And of course, that is Mr. Bryce Campbell. Bryce, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, Dustin. Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Good, good. Hey, uh, we talked about it briefly beforehand and what some people may not know. You are an IU grad, um, proud IU Hoosier, um, and I, I too am also the IU grad. So you got that nice connection there. Uh, don't worry, people. We did not play together. Uh, Bryce is incredibly too young uh, in comparison to my age to play together. I think I retired by the time he came out, but uh, we really want to chat just about everything, Bryce. Like, let's uh, let's break it down. Let's talk about the uh, the journey of that you've had going all the way up through IU rugby into into the U, into USA Eagles now. Yeah, thanks. So. <laughs> uh, sure, so I'll give you, I guess, my little story. Let's let's start off at the beginning and talk about you in Indianapolis and getting to IU and then we'll go from there. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, uh, grew up in Indy, uh, played football, basketball, baseball growing up mostly. Um, and I was very lucky to get involved in rugby at a pretty young age too. Um, started playing in middle school, uh, small club started up called Broderful Rugby Club and a couple of my buddies had cousins that played rugby in college um, and that knew a little bit about the sport. And they say, hey, come out, play. You'll love it. Um, the cool thing was um, where I played football, uh, which was my favorite sport at the time, um, I was too heavy to run the ball. Um, <laughs> there was weight limits on people that could be running back, quarterback, or receiver. So, I played line. I was a, a lineman and a middle linebacker um, when I was that age, and then in high school I ended up playing middle linebacker. But uh, in rugby, I could run the ball. I could play defense, offense, pass, kick, do it all, and uh, that's just really what drew me into the sport. Um, I think that's, I that's, really that's every offensive. Choices. That's every offensive lineman and defensive lineman and any defensive player's dream. Like when they're like, "Oh, wait, rugby? Like I can do everything? Like I, I'm allowed to touch the ball?" <laughs> Exactly. Because <laughs> I just, you just so close my eyes when you're young. It's all you know. It's all exactly. So didn't know there was anything else. Um, yeah. So had some great coaches at a young age. Played for Royal Irish Rugby in high school. I went to Cathedral High School. And we were, we were joined with uh, Bishop Chittard High School mm. for our rugby club. Um, our head coach, Scott Peterson, was really big role model in my life. Um, he was a pretty well-known rugby player in the area. Um, he played on some select USA sides, but um, 
really was a big part of my development. And I'm blessed to have an older brother that's two years older than me that kicked the crap out of me growing up and also <laughs> loved rugby. Um, and he went to, we played together in high school um, and then he went down to IU. And towards the end of my high school, um, I started getting noticed by like, the high school American setup and USA rugby age grade stuff. Um, and I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go to school. Um, and my brother's like, you're coming to IU. <laughs> you, know, they have <laughs> you, have, um, you, have, you have no choice. It, you it have was, to come. <laughs> it was an easy decision. Great business school that I was lucky enough to get uh, directed mid into um, Kelly School of Business. And the rugby program was um, coming up. We had had some success in the past, but never like really well known for the rugby nationally. Yeah. Um, but we were good in the Big Ten, solid, and I wanted to be a part of that and went down to IU, played under uh, Sarah Sopa Nari, Sopa Nari. Um, and he's um, from, well, Samoa, lived a lot in New Zealand, um, has a really, really long rugby background, very knowledgeable. And he kind of opened my eyes up to be like, you could travel and I know you're good enough to play um, longer than, than just college. Um, he kind of believed in me to take that next step. Yeah. And, uh, and like one he, thing led to the next. I mean, you're, you over, you kind of skipped one of those things too. Like you were not, you were awarded in 2017, like the, the Rudy Schultz award, like you were the best college rugby player at that, at that time. So that's, that's something you kind of skipped over. It's a little accolade. I wanted to make sure that we <laughs> talk about for you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about, you know, tooting your own horn, but I figured I'd tune it for you there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, no, it's just like, uh, I was getting ready to go to play with the USA under twenties, my freshman year at IU and, uh, something happened. My mom was getting married, so, um, I couldn't go on the tour. Oh, uh, we're wedding. oh come um, on mom. Which I'll, <laughs> I'll never hold it against her. <laughs> No. But then I kind of I kind of fell out I fell out of the um, the short list of, of people on the age grade setup yeah. for whatever reason for the next couple years and then after my junior year um, I got noticed after a few games uh, the CRC was really big uh, playing that in Philly and I got chosen to play in a collegiate all American tournament that was gonna well not a tournament a tour of Australia yeah so we. We went down to Sydney, uh, played a couple games, um, and then went to Brisbane and played another game. And that kind of springboarded me into the USA setup. Yeah. I was um, skipping over other things, too. Um, during that <laughs> summer, I, I did an internship in Sydney that was set up through the Coastal Business yeah. um, for Collier's International Commercial Real Estate Company in Sydney. And my coach, IU Sopanari, um, he has family that live in Sydney and his nephew played for uh, Southern Districts Rugby Club in the Shoe Shield, oh, yeah. which was just a short 30 minute train ride uh, from where I was staying. So I played for Southern Districts for about six, seven weeks. And then that ran right up to that collegial American tour. Yeah. What um, was it? What was it like? So to kind of that sort of I'm sorry. I said, what was it like to kind of get yeah. that, that different experience to go basically, you know, playing, you know, you know, collegiate rugby, which, you know, in the U.S. We're, we're still moving, then to go in playing, you know, shoot shield, like to get moving down, moving down to Sydney, 
playing down there for six weeks. What was the, I guess, what was the pace like as far as the speed of the game, the knowledge that they have, you know, at, at such at a younger age than what we have? Because you're playing with, you know, men now. Um, how did you kind of take that, and how did you feel about playing at that particular time down there? I just tried to soak it all in. Um, the pace was the biggest thing that was different. Because um, even college rugby, like, guys are physical. You yeah. Know, you get really good athletes on the field and guys that can put shots on. But just the speed of the game is just on a different on a different level. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I wasn't even with the first grade. I, I went down there, um, and I was. I knew I was only going to be there for seven eight weeks. And I played fourth grade the first week. I played third grade the next week, and then I played fourth third week after that. So um, I was able to get a lot of, of rugby in <laughs> in a short amount of time. Yeah. And um, I built some really really cool relationships with some of the guys down there. Um, and then, like I said, that springboarded me into the collegial Americans. And I think that's what really prepared me to take that next step yeah. was being um, in Sydney and playing with some districts that's awesome. and being exposed to the pace and then collegial Americans and then kind of stepped all, all yeah. the way up. And then, so, you know, let's fast forward a little bit, you know, after, you know, was it, you graduated college in 2000, sorry, eight, 18, 2019? 17. 17, sorry. See, I should have done my research. I thought it was 18. <laughs> but year after that, you know, no. you, you go and, you know, you're going to play with um, you know, Major League Rugby is just coming about and you make your way out to, you. I think, you were, did you move out to Glendale originally to play with the Merlins um, before the whole, before MLR started? Or were you kind of part of that group that moved in saying, hey, MLR starting, we're going to move out to Glendale and play with them? Uh, yeah, so MLR was on the horizon. So when I got my first cap, first few caps with the Eagles, I was still at IU. Um, oh, okay. So I did not know that. I thought I, that's yeah. awesome. So I was during my the so that collegiate all American tour happened in the summer. Um, a few weeks later, we started our fall semester at IU. I get a call; they want me to go play um, with USA Selects in Uruguay um, for the Pacific. Rugby Challenge, I think that's what it was called. Um, yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, yeah. One something like one of those uh, two. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I went down there. Um, I was lucky enough that the teachers let me go for a few weeks and <laughs> uh, did pretty well there. Um, and then right after that, I get back to Bloomington, get settled back in for a few weeks, and I get a call again. Um, they want to bring me in with the USA Eagles um, to get ready to play the Maori All Blacks and then go to Europe for a few weeks. And I went back to my teachers and was like, hey, this is an unbelievable opportunity. Yeah. Uh, this is my dream. Will you, work, will you work with me sort of thing? And they were all on board. That's I awesome. did Skype calls and Zooms throughout the whole thing um, and uh, made a really good connection on my next tour during my spring semester, the ARC, yeah. um, Will McGee. And he kind of... Well, you, to, to sounds familiar. Denver, Glendale, played with the Merlins because Major League Rugby was getting ready to happen. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. I mean, obviously, so in 2018, first year, you, you've already got a USA, your caps for USA Eagles. You've been, you know, collegiate player of the year. You're, you're doing great things. MLR starts and you're going out to Glendale. I mean, you guys had, you know, had a great season that first season um, with 
with at that time Glendale. I keep wanting to call him Colorado because that was the, the last name they were. Um, walk us through what it was like, you know, being in that inaugural season, being in, you know, the inaugural, you know, championship match against Seattle, um, you know, for, for the MLR Shield. I, I loved it. I loved that season. We had a great team. Um, some really, really good players. Um, a couple of Eagles teammates, me, Will, Ben, Landry, uh, Willie, Sean, um, and a bunch of other guys. Yeah. Obviously, we, we thought we we were gonna we were gonna take it home. It didn't end up didn't end up happening the way we wanted it to. But um, being on the ground level of, of Major League Rugby was just so special. Playing in the first I remember the first match was against Austin. Yeah, and I, I remember I remember in, that. And in, in, uh, in a lot of snow. <laughs> Yeah, being able to say yeah, yeah, played in the first uh, major league rugby match in the U.S. was pretty special. Yeah, that, that that is pretty cool. I remember that you know the whole announcement that CBS Sports was going to cover it, and I think that was a it was a great kickoff to this league. You know that that we continue to follow now, um, and that's pretty. I remember that was a great. The Austin game was a great game. Like it wasn't. It was a it was a hard fought battle. You guys came out on top, I believe, on that one. Uh, but you know, still not. Yeah, <laughs> I remember what happened at the end. So I remember what happened. They had two red cards and a yellow card. That's right. There was a game with twelve with twelve players. Yeah, I do remember. Like that was really weird. I, I was trying. To, I was yeah, because I think that that game or there's there's one other game that has the most red cards and yellow cards in a match. But I think that one is like tied for for the most. And so it was not not the prettiest of games. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No. <laughs> so obviously, in 2018, you do well. And then, you know, a big call comes along, right? You, you get called, you know, called up by, by, London, by London Irish, who at that time, I believe, were in the rugby championship. And were they, had, you been, had they been promoted that year or were they getting ready to be promoted into the, into the premiership? They, they were in the premiership and they were bottom of the table. They bottom of the table. They, told me they there's about a 50-50 shot whether they would stay up or not stay up. Yeah. But yeah, for me that didn't didn't really yeah didn't so really matter. Well, but but then you you know you are you were a part of the I mean London Irish I mean they, they've they've done quite well and you kind of went over there and and played with them for for a couple of years and what was that like you know again we're talking about the difference from you know going you know playing in at IU and going to play shoot shield and then playing MLR and then going over and playing the rugby championship and Grand Premiership like what's that what was that change in pace for you all <laughs> as well. Oh, like just going to England was so cool for me because the amount of experience that all the guys had yeah. that I was going into training with every single day just made me so much better and made me have a different outlook on the game. Because um, every guy in the whole team has this skill set um, that they've been playing since they could walk, you know, yeah. <laughs> and just learning learning things every day and training from those guys. So yeah. it's incredible. That's, that's awesome. Um, and, and I guess what was your, we, we talked to with Sebastian, you know, last week uh, about it and you know, kind of talking with him and saying, you live right down the road from him. You know, was he somebody that you know, right off the bat you kind of clicked with or, you know, were there was, was it just kind of like, Oh, he's in the, he's in the forwards. Don't worry about him. I'm going to stay back here in the backs. <laughs> you kind of separated that way. <laughs> No, I think we clicked straight straight away. I remember I just landed um, in London, and our manager 
gave my number a few of the guys. Um, one of my buddies, Tommy Bell, uh, reached out. He's um, playing in, in France now, in 42. But uh, he reached out and was like, hey, uh, I'm Tommy. Nice to meet you. I'll come pick you up. We're going to go over to um, Seb's house, and he's doing a little barbecue. So literally Brian. the day I landed. He's something I forget. It's a bride, man. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. he's, um, he's going to call you out on that. The day I landed, uh, went over to Seb's, and we clicked straight away. It's just such, such a, a kind man, like, went so far out of his way to make sure I was welcome into the team. Yeah. And um, just, you're just so lucky. That's awesome. Lucky he was there when I, when I went over. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I know time playing over in England is great, but I also want to talk a little bit about it. You know, your time playing in the world cup <laughs> and, and scoring a try in, in the world cup. Um, walk me through that. Tell me what it's like to, because there's, there's guys that get to play, at the highest level and there's guys that get to play for national teams and there's guys that get the opportunity to play at a world cup just one play game but to have you know quite a few matches in a world in four in the last world cup four matches what's it like to score in a world cup match um because <laughs> because there's not that many people that get to do that <laughs> it, at the time it, it didn't feel any different than and the other try you score, but then afterwards you kind of realize how how special that is, and how lucky you are to have done that, and how many things had to fall in place for that to happen. Yeah, um, and just so appreciative of the journey. Um, yeah, I was just it was a funny try. It was it was so good to get that because time was over. We obviously didn't have the performance we wanted, yeah. and. They could have just kicked the ball out. And I think they, it was good to get something out of that game to say, screw you, we can play too. <laughs> uh, and I think, I think almost every guy touched the ball before I scored that try. It was the and, and longest Badgers play of all time. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and, like, uh, the, yeah, I, I don't I know how much at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a wild passage. Yeah, that was pretty. It, it was good. It's a, go watch it on YouTube. Maybe we can find a link to it and we'll, we'll post it on the page or something. Because uh, I, I think people need to see it because it was a great try. Like you said, everybody touched the ball. <laughs> it seemed like it. Um, but yeah, that's good. So let, let's kind of take a step up into where where we're at. You know, this this time last year. You know, getting ready to. You know, the, the seasons closed down for pandemic. Were you? Did you know that you wanted to come back to? to MLR um, around this time last year before pandemic, or was this something that, you know, it was pandemic related that wanted you, or that kind of drove you to say, hey, maybe you should go back to MLR. And was it Will McGee that said, hey, come over, I want, want to play with you again? I think it was a little bit of all of it. Um, <laughs> I, I was, before the pandemic had hit, I was pretty sure I was going to stay at Irish. Yeah. Um, and when everything started to shut down, uh, things just started started to change a bit. Um, the club's funding was different. Um, other opportunities um, came and went, and uh, Will got in touch with me. Um, so that was on the back of my mind. Yeah, and I just thought it was a really good time to head back to the U.S. Um, just because of the way the pandemic went. Yeah. 
there was too much uncertainty. And then with my visa as well, I couldn't, I couldn't wait around because I was going to have to go home. Uh, <laughs> They're going to kick you out. <laughs> I was getting ready to, to run up. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was the perfect time for me to come back to the U.S. The league's growing. Um, and, you know, I, I want to inspire young Americans to play the game. Yeah. And I don't think there's a better place other than on the national team, um, but a better place to be than in our domestic competition yeah. playing, uh, playing here. It's a great thing you say that because I think, you know, Coach Harris – in, in the write-up about you when we announced that you, when we officially announced that you joined the team, even though, as we said, words kept secret in MLR about you joining because Ohio aviators let it slip by, maybe not, maybe not on purpose, but by accident, they let it slip. Uh, but so did other people. Um, you know, he talked about that he, he sees you as the you know, leader, a face of American rugby moving forward. Um, it's a pretty high accolade to say, you know, you becoming the face of American rugby, um, you know, how do you take that? And then how do you kind of inspire, um, you know, you said you, you know, to inspire the youth to play the sport in the domestic league. How do you kind of, have you changed your own outlook to, to be one now of that leadership role? You said you were the younger guy on the team for the USA Eagles, then you're the American. Now you are, now you are one of the leaders. You're one of the you know, most experienced players, you know, in the organization. Uh, here in Austin. So what's your, what's been the, the mindset change for you in the past couple of years, past couple of months now? That's a lot to live up to. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I, I just, I just want to be the, the best teammate, best person I can be. Yeah. Um, if I try to overthink it, then there's no, there's no point. Um, as long as I, you know, show up every day, with the best intentions to to work my hardest to help the younger guys on the team to get involved with the community, um, then that's all I can do. And um, I just want to show you know young kids in America that rugby can be a pathway in your life, and it can teach you many great life skills. Can teach you about different cultures. Um, can take you around the world, whether you're an elite player or not. If if you decide you want to go spend, you know, two months in Europe, you could go find a rugby club and you instantly have, you know, 20, 30 friends yeah. to do the same and several other areas around the world. And uh, I just I just want to expose uh, young kids to see rugby as an option in their life. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, we, I, I think it's a great thing, and um, we look. You know, I look forward to kind of seeing how that progresses for you. You know, watching the looking at the like your career trajectory and how it's it's been very high and to continue that growth. And um, I think it's important um, to have more and more people who you know can be projected on the national scene as the you know the leaders of of the faces of rugby right now. Um, I, th I think that that's, it's slowly growing and hopefully soon we get more recognition by major sports outlets, like ESPN, things like that. But uh, I do think there's something that you know, a person like yourself going out and saying, hey, this is what we want to do by building it in the building rugby in the community for the youth, which I think is incredibly important. Um, what I want to ask now is you're about a week into training or so with, you know, now that everybody's in town, how, how have things been going? What is it like? You know, training. You know, 
I, I don't know the whole structure of the book. We know there's like bubble training or, you know, pod group training, whatever it's like. Tell me, tell me it's like to manage that in a pandemic uh, and trying to, <laughs> trying to train at, you know, as, as an organization, as a team. How's that been working for y'all? Everyone's just so excited. Yeah. Um, because we've been locked up for so long <laughs> and to, to get to get out and throw the ball around and be able to actually train and do what we do is um, is just so so amazing. Uh, obviously we don't have the full resources resources to do a legitimate bubble. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we don't have we, we don't have the money in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have to sit down and, and be really serious about what our black and whites are like what we can do, what we can't do. Um, We know Austin's a a fairly open city compared to others in terms of what's going on with COVID right now. You can still, you know, live your life and, and go out, um, go to a restaurant, get dinner. You can still do things. And unfortunately we just have to buckle down and stay away from things like that because it can jeopardize our season. If someone, um, someone tests positive or a handful of people test positive in the middle of the season. Yeah. So um, we just kind of have to <laughs> hold ourselves to a higher standard for the time being until, until uh, something happens, either we all get a vaccine or um, it's a, just gets dealt with in another way. So we just have to take it, you know, day by day, week by week and do all that we can to mitigate the risk. Yeah, I, it's tough. I mean, we're all, we're all, everyone's dealing with it, and I'm sure it's for you guys it's, it's even harder because you, know, you want to practice as a full squad. You want to get things. You, you got to be extra careful about what you're doing, where you're going, and who you're seeing, and who you're coming in touch with, in contact with, and things like that. Um, yeah, I can't even. I have a hard time doing it, and I don't have you know twenty something other people that I'm around on a regular basis, so I can't. I can't imagine. Um, Kind of wrap things up. Kind of a couple interesting questions I want to ask you. So, so Will McGee contacts you. You come here. You get in touch with Seb, who then comes here. Who's Seb going to get in contact to come here next to play with us? What's who's who's your pick? Who do you think is going <laughs> to? Who is his connection that's going to come here? Or is it going to be a London Irish connection or a South African connection? <laughs> I don't know. The the list is endless. Yeah. Um, He's got a lot of connections. Yeah, exactly. We've all got a lot of connections. So, um, you say somebody, it, it could happen. You, know yeah, I mean? you, you never know. We'll, we'll keep keep the ear to the ground on that one. Um, also kind of wanted to ask you, you know, now that we're uh, we're getting the season, the team is filling out quite well. Uh, today, the day we record is Wednesday, uh, Connor Mooneyham just got announced as, as a signing from the Jackals. It's pretty exciting. Um, plays out on the wing. Uh, as far as I filled out my slots uh, on, you know, on, on my imaginary game day roster, um, we, we have kind of a gap at 13 right now. And I'm, I'm kind of curious who you want to see, because I have you at 12. That that's okay. You know, that, <laughs> that's that, that's a, that's where that's why I project you, you're going in at. Uh, who would you like to see out at 13? Uh, do, you, do you want Frank Halai outside of you, uh, or is it or is it somebody else? Look, <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll let the coaches decide. Um, oh, we've got a handful of guys that can that can slot in. Um, I'm happy at 12 or 13. Um, so we'll see. It's all about you know what. I say, do you have, do you have a preference? Uh, it's not a combination. Um, it, it's more on, on the style because some teams have their 12 as more of a playmaker, um, less of a, a strike runner. Um, some 
of their 13 as that role. Yeah. So it it just depends on what the game plan is and what our attacking style is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm happy to defend either either way. Um, if I was to say my all not reference <laughs> probably role, but yeah, it's well. Well, we know. We know Coach Gerard and Coach Harris are avid listeners, so uh, they're listening. So just let, let you know, like you just told them, that you want to play twelve. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, really, last thing, I, I do want to congratulate you because a, a big thing did happen during COVID during the off season. Um, for those that don't know, Bryce, you want to tell everybody what great life event just happened to you? I am engaged. I have a fiance. Congratulations, sir. <laughs> yeah, getting ready. Uh, weddings in December, so hopefully we're all good with the COVID stuff by then. That, that'll, so fingers yeah, but, that'll, yeah, that'll that'll be good. Uh, we've been asking the guys, you know, uh, everybody about like what's their outlook for the season, what do they want to do. Everybody wants to lift the shield. Um, you know, I think that's always a great thing. Everybody wants to say they want to do that. Obviously, the you guys thought you had the team in Glendale in season one to pull it out. You know, I, I know that this team around around you, everybody that's been signed, everybody that has been announced and unannounced, there's a lot of incredible talents uh, top to bottom on this organization. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge is going to be for you guys this year? I'll, I'll ask that one. I'll ask the opposite of like, what, what are you looking forward to? What do you think is going to be your biggest challenge as, as an organization and as a team to, to lift the shield this year? Um. I think right now the biggest challenge is going to be dealing with the pandemic and making sure that uh, we don't have an outbreak at the wrong time or ever really. Um, And making sure that we're all able to train week in, week out together. I think that we've done a really good job, even though we haven't been together much yet, of laying the foundation for our culture here. Everyone seems to to be fully on board and really open to what Sam and Mark have to say and what the leaders in the team have to say. And we're just excited to get to work. And uh, yeah, I think we're gonna have a really special team here. Yeah. You can tell from the vibe, it's yeah, really the, good. The vibe is, you know, having been here since season one, <laughs> you know, been part of the fans since season one and seeing the team change. Um, man, the vibe, the vibe this year is something completely different. The fan vibe, the, the team vibe, the player vibe, like just talking to you all week in and week out, that it's just, it's exciting. And, and you can just see that there's a little bit of, there's more fire in the eyes than, than in previous, I say in previous season, there's always fire, but there's just something different this year. And so I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, I know the rest of the fans are, I know we're excited to watch you, um, get out there and play, uh, to lace up in the in the bright in the bright orange, uh, <laughs> um, new new gear as you can see. Uh, we, Will showed some off yeah. last week. These are the new training talks. I know, man. We, man. They need to give me some of those. Those are those are slick. So, uh, hey, Bryce, we really yeah. appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you. Hopefully, later on in the season, talk about how things are going. Um, hopefully, that you know we get off to a great start in, in week one now, and we can kind of get get rocking and rolling. We're, we're counting down the days. Almost like 30 something days left, I think, now. So it's coming up. It's coming it's up. It's coming up. Everybody, USA Eagle and Austin Gilgroni, number 12, inside center. Hey, coach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bryce Campbell, Bryce, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.
Oh, thanks so much for having me. And uh, looking forward to meeting all the fans. Really appreciate it. Definitely. Have a good one, sir. Dustin, good chat there with Bryce Campbell. Can't wait to uh, bring uh, maybe the new Captain America. Oh, Captain America. Blaine Scully was, uh, was, our, was our old Captain America, but, you know, I think... Wasn't, uh, wasn't Todd Clever the Captain America before that one, though? Or, or, yeah, it was, or is, I don't know, Todd? Blaine Scully, and, you know, <laughs> now we got... Uh, I, I think Bryce Campbell might be the next guy. I think he could be, too. I don't know. Uh, Will, yeah. Will may have something to say with that. He may want to fight him for it, but I, don't know. <laughs> I, but, uh, I, I think I think Bryce could be the face of of USA Rugby moving forward for sure. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that I, I've heard you know in some circles people are tipping him to be you know the next captain for yeah. for the US. So you know, I can see that. How cool, is that. how cool is that to have a guy like that down here in, uh, yes. in Texas? I mean, and and then, and we just talked about it too, like his his leadership role that he's taken on is pretty exciting. Like he's now like he sees himself as that leader. So, um, yeah, yeah. looking forward to it. Can't wait. I mean, he's his, you know, American rugby dream as it gets just born and raised, you know, up in the Midwest and university of Indiana, you know, collegiate all American. And then, you know, USA U twenties and MLR and, you know, premiership. (laughs) Yeah, and then made it over to England and playing the Premiership. It's like you know he showed that like yeah you can do it you as do an American. So yeah, awesome. Um, all of us are super excited for Bryce Campbell to come to US, but I mean come to Texas. But you know, um, we're equally, maybe not equally, but we are also excited about round two of the Six Nations coming up this weekend. Uh, we didn't talk about it last week at all. Like, we should have just... I mean, we could have at least touched no. on it. Like, because it's the only big... I mean, it's only big rugby going on right now, so... <laughs> um, but, you know, with one less... One less interview this week, we got a little extra time to talk Six Nations. Uh, Dustin, you and I are going to make a few predictions here. Uh, you know, starting Italy's off, winning it all. <laughs> Not a winning what? It's not a not a betting <laughs> man. The golden's the, the wooden yeah. the wooden spoon. That's what Italy's winning. <laughs> yeah, again for, again, for the, the last Nations game they won was in 2015. Was it 2015 or 2014? No, it was 2015. But that's, oh, that's I right. think they're like 28 in a row defeats. Like I think that get, get them out. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're uh, getting close <laughs> to sounding the bell for yeah. for Italy. Yeah, the, to step t- the 10 count. <laughs> um, All right. Yes, finally, they'll be, you know, they'll be taking on England this weekend. Uh, Scotland coming off that big win over England. They're going to host Wales, although hosting doesn't really mean a whole lot yeah. these days because of the fans. But Scotland hosting Wales at Murrayfield and then uh, Ireland taking on France um, in, uh, in mm. the third game yeah. this weekend. Uh, Dustin, looking ahead, uh, round two, Six Nations. Uh, we'll just start it off. England, Italy. I know you've got a hot take here. Hot, hot, hot take. Everybody, like, I think the odds on favorite to win by maybe 60 is probably going to be England. Um, I don't know. I tell you what, it depends on what England team shows up. Is it going to be the England team that kicks the ball away every 
third time they touch it uh, or whether or not they're going to kick it over after every second pass. They're like, yeah, let's just kick it 50 meters down the field and just run after it and see what happens. Um, I don't know. <laughs> England was poor. Justin, is that what happens uh, when you get relegated to the uh, championship? For- <laughs> Ooh, man, you're saying Sari's getting, getting thrown, thrown under the bus there a little bit. There. Did, Owen, did Owen Farrell complete more than five passes? I don't. Last weekend? I don't think so. Somebody get like they they gave us a scoring like a, a player rating and they said Mario Toji was a seven. And I was like, what kind of junk were you on, Colin Mario? Like he basically had five penalties that resulted. I was gonna in- say, I think <laughs> the only seven Mario Toji recorded was in the penalty. Count. Yeah, right. I don't know. Um, I mean, England, Italy, like England's going to win. Like it's Italy, like they had like two glimmers of hope, and you know they've. I don't know. Is England's just gonna. Italy's just poor. It, it's unfortunate. Like I, I'm ready to see Georgia or somebody else, like a, another European championship or European uh, club, not club, uh, national club play. I'm ready for somebody else just to get in there. Yeah, likewise. I mean, at least someone else to get a chance. Yeah. Like, like you said, I think at some, at some point you lose that kind of um, the willing suspension of disbelief that like. Maybe this is Italy's year. They've got yeah. this guy that's very well for black. Like the like the Cleveland yeah. Browns of <laughs> as a Cleveland Browns fan, yeah. like yeah, maybe this year. I don't know. No. Yeah, no, right. I, I, England for sure on that one. That's you know, all, all credit to Scotland though. Like on that win, like they played fantastic. Like they played a flawless. Yeah. Game. They played a flawless game. According to according to uh, Eddie Jones, England came came into that game. Uh, looking ahead to the new law changes that are going to be taking place <laughs> in the rugby, and leave it so they were If Daddy Jones they make an excuse, right? They weren't playing the right game plan for the game uh, uh, for European rugby in 2021, according they're, to Eddie so they're, Jones. So they're playing for European rugby in 2023. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's why they're kicking it away. Yeah, right. All right. Yep. I got England. Who you got? Yeah, I'm not. I, England, is, <laughs> England had a very disappointing showing last weekend, but I think that oh, um, you know, that was a lot of those uh, like those series players. That was their first game, and I think like three months or three four months. months. Yep, it's crazy. I think they'll they'll come back. They'll win. I don't think they're going to win as convincingly as they would in the past. I, I would say it'll be something more like a thirty-four to three, thirty-four to. Nine. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give. Um, I'm gonna give Italy. Uh, I bet they score f- fourteen at least. Maybe. Maybe. I'm thinking about it. Okay. Anyway. I don't know. Who's the, what? What? Who's who's the second game? Uh. Yeah. So you know, we talked about Scotland took over to took England down last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if they can double up this week against Wales. This would be if they can beat Wales on. Saturday, then that would be their first back-to-back uh, win streak against Wales since 2003. Yeah. Um, and their first, I want to say their first ever 2-0 start in the Six Nations. And then, of course, the Six Nations right. started in like 1999. Five Nations ended? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Somewhere around there. Late, late 90s. But, but yeah, bottom line is that Scotland has never started well in the Six Nations. And they've never done that well against Wales. They've got a huge opportunity to, to tick, tick off two unchecked boxes yeah. uh, here on Sunday. And I think they are favored over the weekend. 
but I'm not sold. I, I'm not sold. I think, no. yeah, I think uh, Wales generally has Scotland's number. Yeah, they have. Uh, I mean, they have. I understand that Wales played a 14-man Ireland team this past weekend, but I think that they have restored a little bit of confidence into the jersey, um, despite Pivac head coach Pivac struggles over the last year. I think that Wales, I think Wales is about to start finding a little bit of a rhythm despite the injuries, and I think I think that they nip Scotland, and I think Wales moves to two and zero, and I think uh, I think they do it with a score of. Uh, 20 to 17. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, what's the weather forecast for Scotland on Sunday? Probably, <laughs> probably, probably terrible, like cold and be like it is here. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against you on this one. I on I think the way that Scotland is playing right now, um, I think that they're going to pull it out, and I think we're gonna look at something more like a 20. Man, I'm gonna um, it's fried for this one. Uh, uh, tw- we'll go like 24-14, s- 24-17, somewhere. I don't know. I just have a feeling like Scotland is just playing. They're playing. They're playing good. Like they played good. I, if they play the same wow. ball that they played, like I, I'd say, like Wales barely beat. I guess they barely beat because they did not play well against Ireland, and Ireland had fourteen men. Um, so I, I, I think that Scotland's gonna, I think that Scotland's going to do it. They're going to, br- they're going to break it. This is the year for Scotland. I don't know why. Well, at least the year for Scotland to beat Wales and England back to back. What do they, what's the, what do they call it? The, the wall between, is it Hadrian's walls, the wall between England and Scotland? I'll say yes. Cause I don't remember. I think it's Hadrian's wall. Um, Scotland has kind of put up a bit of a, bit of a defensive wall of their own on the rugby team. Man, they, as well. They're, Their tackle was through the roof on on Saturday. Yeah, and they, I read that they've gone six straight Six Nations games holding opponents under twenty points, which I think I'm is saying. And so it's like fourteen, seventeen. That's what I think Wales is going to score. No. But I think Wales gets to twenty points. I think they win okay. twenty to seven. I'd say if, if they get if they get past seventeen points, then Wales wins, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, big so yeah, one, big one on Sunday. Yep, yeah, and then that brings us to. Game of the weekend. Yeah, for uh, sure. Probably. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. One of the yeah. What are the games of the tournament? I, 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 Scotland Wales is maybe. To, I don't know. I think it could be the game of the weekend. I don't know. I think uh, the next one. Or, sorry, I kind of took a it over there. A hopefully fifteen man Ireland. Yeah, playing right against a, a fifteen man, but sometimes seems like sixteen man uh, with Dupont oh, on the field. He counts as two. I mean, Jesus. I. I mean, I've been saying it for a couple of years now that best I nine in the world right now. Best nine in the world. I think best team in the world. Yeah. Personally, I think I think France. I think France is going to win the Six Nations. I think they they're going to win the Grand Slam as well. Yeah. Only they didn't win it last year was because they had a stupid red card against Scotland that cost them the tournament, which yeah, is ridiculous. Something you always have to factor in those. With France. Uh, yeah, dumb French errors. Dumb French errors and stupid, stupid penalties. Uh, yeah, no. I think if Dup- if Dupont plays the same way that he played, I mean, which you can only expect, I think France is going to win the game pretty easily. Yeah, I think, uh, and and also I think the big the big news for Ireland is uh, Johnny Sexton, Sexton's out. Is so I, yeah. I, they have not proven in the past four years to have a reliable backup to Johnny Sexton, and it's crazy to think though that. 
you know, our own AJ McGinty, had he never capped for the US, would would be would, playing for Ireland. Um, but yeah. would he have, if he hadn't have been a US Eagle, would he have ever made it over to the Pro 14 and then and the Premiership? I don't know. All right. We don't know, but. I, I, do I don't. Think, I don't know the score of that game. By the way, it's it's going to be. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. <laughs> so, uh, thirty one. What do you Thirty one to twenty, France. Thirty four, twenty four, France. Ooh, nice. Gonna, there's there's going to it's going to be some fireworks. So. <laughs> All right, there we go. Great. Austin. Austin Rugby Podcast Six Nation predictions that no one's going to care about. <laughs> cool. Hey, it's uh, another fun week. Good stuff. Lots of uh, lots of fun. Lots of news. Lots of player coverages. Um, really enjoyed sitting down with Bryce Campbell as we talked about. Uh, as always, you know, tune in for your latest Six Nations information to the Austin Rugby Podcast. <laughs> you never know, man. We got to talk some rugby here. Um, but we really enjoy it. Follow us on social media, Austin Rugby supporters um, on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, start using that hashtag Gilgroniacs. We'll put it right down here in the bottom. Gilgroniacs. <laughs> uh, no, it's always good. Really uh, appreciate everybody listening. Uh, it's nice to do this. It's fun for Alex and I to do this every week and, and come back and just talk some rugby. Don't forget, like and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on wherever you get all of your podcasts. We really want to continue to get that growth because we got to get Joe Rogan to continue to follow us. continue to follow us yeah right dustin hey you're listening to the awesome rugby podcast that's alex reese i'm dustin zare thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the pitch